This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. 24 teams will be playing 51 matches across 11 countries, separated by 4,766 kilometers, give or take a few, uh, over the next four weeks. It all ends at Wembley on Sunday, July the 11th, and we are going to be here twice a week to talk about it. So following a year-long delay then, the much-anticipated Euro 2020 finals kicks off tonight. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Ha ha ha, that's my best announcer voice. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> on the ball with me, Ross, and the guys. The guys being Bob Holmes. Hello, Bob. Hi, everybody. Uh, Craig Marais is also here. What's up, Craig? Hello, hello. Can't wait for the Malaysia match first uh, and then the Euros. That's so much going on. It's a lovely... Fr- Des Corkill is also here. He's working on the Malaysia match. Hello, Des. I don't call it working. It's a passion. And uh, come on, Malaysia. It's the last chance saloon for them. Uh, and then we get on to the Euros and also Copa America as well. What a great time to be um, in COVID. In <laughs> uh. <laughs> Tongue in cheek, but yeah, we know what he means. Um, all right. As, as Des mentioned, so much to talk about. Let's clear up some of the big news that's that's happened. Um, we're not going to do transfers. I know there's just too many to talk about. But managerial changes. Uh, Wolves have appointed the former Benfica boss, Bruno Lager, as their new manager. Um, Bruno seems to be a football type of name, huh, Bob? Uh, yes. Uh, you can't help but think it's a downgrade, though, can you? Yeah, uh, I mean, Lager, Lager is a very good football name, and I'm sure we'll see <laughs> endless puns on that. But uh, everyone in Wolverhampton, the city of Wolverhampton, not just the football fans, is mystified as to why Nuno has left. And, uh, you know, we've not really had the explanation. I mean, they didn't do as well this year as they had done the previous uh, three of his, of his four-year tenure. But um, there's, there's a story, I think, behind that, which, which eventually will come out. But he gave very generously to the um, COVID fund, you know, mm. for, the pe- for the people, something like a quarter of a million pounds. Wow. I mean, it wasn't small money. Uh, I mean, to make that kind of contribution to the citizens of your adopted city, um, not a, besides taking them up two divisions <laughs> and, and, and into Europe. Uh, I mean, that is quite a contribution, isn't it? Mm. And it suddenly ends and no, no real explanation. So watch that space. Um, I think he would have been a good fit for Spurs, actually, but uh, it doesn't look as if they they are going to get him. They're going to get uh, Fonseca instead. Yeah. Now, apparently, Nuno's talks with Crystal Palace also broke down. He was close to being pal- taking up the Palace. But yeah, Spurs and Fonseca is a bit of a weird one, Des. Uh, it's, it's not confirmed, of course. But if it does happen, because football's funny like that, it means Fonseca goes from Roma to Spurs and Jose goes the other way. Yeah, you, you look at Fonseca's uh, career before that, though, and he, he, he does have a reasonable track record of improving teams. He doesn't win trophies, but what he does is he's taken teams in Portugal into the, the top three uh, lower-ranked teams. And Braga, uh, when he was there, he won um, a, a cup with them and took them into the top four. So he's, he's got a, a reputation of improving things. Now, Tottenham keep saying we are a big club and we should be there for winning, and, and their approach to Conte showed 
that they're not because Conte, uh, we, we had this discussion last week, Conte demanded yeah. silly money. And if, if the money's there, yeah, I'll win you the title. Tottenham don't have the money. I don't think many of the clubs do really have the money. And so to go for a project kind of coach, uh, which I think uh, Nuno was at Wolves, and I think uh, Pochettino was at uh, Tottenham beforehand, to me, seems sensible. It, it's not a, a headline grabber, but Fonseca has got a, a, a decent body of work behind him. No trophies, but so if Tottenham are looking to win trophies, then maybe not. But this is possibly somebody who can grow a team and grow the club to get them back into the Champions League. I think that would be priority number one. That seems to be the thinking. Uh, right. it, it's lucky, which is very untottenham-like. Well, we'll, <laughs> well, we'll see if, if that happens uh, or not. Um, all right. Uh, apart from that, big transfer news is Brindea joins Aston Villa from Norwich. For He's a great player, Argentinian playmaker. And, of course, the Jaden Sancho saga has just started between Manchester United and Dortmund. We'll keep you abreast of all that as and when it all happens. Let's talk Euro 2020 then. Group A gets underway tonight or tomorrow morning. Turkey take on it. Italy at the Stadio Olimpico in Rome. Um, let's talk about the Italians first. They're kind of on home soil. Uh, Roberto Mancini, Craig Marias. We, we've spoken already about he's really honed this, this Italian side. He's got them firing. I think they're 27 matches unbeaten now. Yeah, um, it, it's a great record that he has uh, since he's taken charge um, over there. And, and it's what Italian football needed, the national team. Uh, you know, with with Italy, you know, not being in, in certain major tournaments and and things like that, you know, I mean, it's never quite the same. You know, you always want your big countries there, and and Italy have a great, uh, obviously, reputation in world football. Uh, but but the job that Mancini has done is is just absolutely outstanding. He's had to rebuild that side. Um, he's blended in a lot of the uh, youngsters into this side, um, along with the experience that you have um, in the centre backs in Benucci, um, but. You know, I, I just think, you know, if you look at the dark horses, these this Italian team could be the one, could be. Um, just just because they're a little bit unpredictable. You don't know. I mean, back in the day, you know, we, we, we saw Italian football as very defensive and, um, you know, defensive-minded. And, and you go back to the World Cup, in which they won in 2006. You know, it was... It, it, no, no one, no one gave them a chance. You know, they, they weren't favourites by any stretch of the imagination. Ended up winning it. I would see them in a similar kind of way this time around as well. Um, but they have that attacking flair in them. You know, he's got Mancini's got them playing in a way. You've got Insignia, you know, coming off the left-hand side, who's, who's a fantastic. You've got Barella in there, who, you know, who's, who can always pop up with a goal. Um, you've got Chiesa, who, who's really come aboard this season with Juventus. Um, Berardi's there as well. You know, there's a lot of good attacking talent there um, that, that Mancini can call upon. Um, so, so this could be, I mean, it's a country that no one's looking at when, when you talk about, you know, potential winners for Euro 2020, um, you know, your France's, your England's, your, your Belgium's are all mentioned there. Holland maybe as a dark horses, but just have a, have a look at Italy. Uh, they're not too bad. It's not an easy opener, by the way, Turkey, a decent side, a very decent side. Uh, it's not going to be easy, but, um, yeah, if, you, if you're looking to, to have a little flutter, um, you know, these, these guys could be the ones. Yeah, the, the Turks are actually the youngest squad at the Euros. Average age of just under 25. They are on, on not a bad run themselves, currently on a six-game unbeaten run. They've only lost three times 
in 26 matches since Senor Gunez uh, has returned to the post. What else can you tell us about Turkey, Des? Uh, well, you look at that run of uh, unbeaten matches. Uh, they played the likes of Azerbaijan and Guinea and Moldova, so I wouldn't I wouldn't read too much into uh, statistics. Can be can be a little bit damning. I also feel that they 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 they've got a, a decent first eleven. Beyond that, the depth doesn't really seem to be there. Um, under is 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 regularly a starter, and Under isn't even a starter in the Premier League for Leicester. So that 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 kind of suggests to me that they're, they're they we shouldn't hype them up too much. Uh, they'll be solid, they'll be difficult, but um, I, I don't look at any of their players, Demiral maybe at the back as, as maybe a standout player, Hakan, the uh, AC Milan player down the, the, the left-hand side, but they need to get the ball to him. And yeah. I, I don't see this Turkey team being um, able to really compete at, at the top level. It, obviously, in the groups, you've got a chance because uh, two plus um, the, the best, uh, was it the best four of the six groups go through in from third place? So they've got a chance of making it to the final stages, but no, I, I can't. I can't really see this team going anywhere um, beyond beyond the round of 16 at the best. Um, they're going to rely the Turks on on veteran striker Burak Yilmaz, who's a league on champion with Lille this season. So goals are going to come from him, uh, as Des mentioned. Uh, Hakan Chahanoglu down the left-hand side is their creative force. And then they've got Cengiz Runder, who spent the season at Leicester City as well. But then you, you go back to the Italians. I mean, even without the likes of Marco Verratti, who may not make the, the first match, Bob, because uh, here they've got Pellegrini now has withdrawn from the squad as well. So despite all that, you still fancy the Italians though, don't you? Yes, they've got the depth, haven't they? And uh, especially I think in got midfield, an right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they can. Those are those are two big names, arguably. They're two best midfielders. But uh, yeah, if anybody can do without them, it's Italy. Uh, you've got Jorginho, which is not everybody's cup of tea. Criticised a lot for passing sideways, uh, Louis Van Gaal style, but. Um, he always gets picked by the managers, doesn't he? he you know, um, when... Uh, so it's penalties. Uh, yeah, and his penalties. <laughs> Not bad with penalties, is he? That's the only reason he gets picked. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think he does a bit more than that. He seems to be a manager's favourite. He was certainly Sarri's favourite at Leicester. And even if Frank Lampard wasn't quite so keen on him, um, Thomas Tuchel has uh, restored him uh, as an almost permanent starter for Chelsea. So uh, th there's, there's quite a bit of quality all over the place. I think Mancini has done a great job. He's blended the side. They're not all ancient. The combined ages of the two centre-backs, Bonucci uh, at 34 and Cellini at 36, is, happens to be 70 years. But um, he's got a, a deputy in Bastoni who's very promising. He was one of the stars for Inter this season. He's only 22 years old. So he's, um, he's looking to the future as well. And I agree with uh, Italy being dark horses for this. They are a tournament team. They either bomb out spectacularly or they go on, on and win it. And they, but they haven't won this since the 1960s. I think it was the second iteration of this tournament back in definitely the 1960s uh, was their only win. They've won the World Cup a few times, 
But this has uh, eluded them apart from that early triumph. So don't be surprised if they feature quite prominently in this. On paper, they're not as good as uh, France, Portugal or Belgium, I don't think, on paper. But as I say, they're a tournament team. And Mancini, I think, knows how to handle them. So, yeah, definitely Italy will progress. If they're going to go far, Craig, it's the likes of Ciro Immobile um, and Velotti, Berardi. That's where they're looking, uh, the, who they're looking to for goals, aren't they? Yeah, there's a bit of a, a, a battle between Chiesa and Berardi for that spot on the right-hand side. And um, if you go by the last friendly, you know, Mancini seemed to prefer Berardi. He responded with a goal and an assist and uh, well, was quite impressive, to be honest. Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, and, you, and you'd think, you know, Insignia uh, would be a very, very key player for Mancini in this tournament. Uh, Bellotti, um, it, it's a little bit different with Bellotti, you know, because it looks like Immobile's uh, probably preferred up front. Um, and, and, you know, you probably get a little bit more out of Immobile than you do uh, with Bellotti. You know, he's your out and out centre forward. What are you uh, saying? He's more mobile. Bench. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but, you know, you, you're going to get, uh, with, with the service that these guys provide out wide and in, in, in midfield, you know, I mean, you, you fancy, you know, if, if Italy need a goal, Belotti off the bench and, um, you know, you always need a strong bench. You need that good option. So, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, squad-wise, they're, they're looking okay. Like you said, you know, they might miss, uh, be missing a couple of players for this tournament. Um, but, yeah, I just, I mean, you know, defensively, they look good. In midfield, they're, they're all right. And, and, you know, in attacking areas, not too bad either. So, like I said, you know, dark horses, you never know. Yeah, just reading that Turkey uh, will probably play in a 4-1-4-1 formation. They, they're, they're back. They're, they're going to have uh, Kabak, the Liverpool loanee, mm. probably yeah. partnering Soyuncu. Soyuncu. Yeah, at, at the back. Des, do, do you reckon that's going to be strong enough? To, to... Uh, Demerol's the favourite uh, to play at centre back, so it's Demerol plus one. Unless they they go to three at the back, which they did about uh, toward the tail end of last year. Yeah, uh, Demerol they, they of Juve, of, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so De- Demerol is is he's the he's the key man for them. Um, it, uh, Soyuncu it, isn't Soyuncu injured? I, I know he's 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 in the squad, but didn't he pick up an injury towards the tail end of the season? Um, or maybe I got that one wrong. Um, but I just don't. I, I just see them coming under too much pressure. I don't see them winning in a ball against the likes of Italy, who swarm all over you. I love Italy's front three. I love Immobile. He's had a great season uh, this year. And um, I, I, for this program and ahead, uh, you, you were just looking at. Oh, I was looking at videos of Italy, and they're they're a terrific side. I yeah. really, unless they peaked too early with 27 games unbeaten, maybe they peaked too early. But this format of competition allows you to, to just work your way into a tournament. And once you get down, if you get down to the quarterfinals, then it becomes, um, you know, who's got the best who's got the best team spirit, who's got the best togetherness. And Italy don't seem to have superstars, which is, which is great. Teams without superstars will go a long way in this kind of a, um, club-like tournament. Turkey don't have enough quality to, to compete, I don't think. Not, not what's Turkey going in 3-0. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Turkey, Italy is your, uh, it's the big kickoff to Euro 2020. It is a 3 a.m. Saturday morning game, or it'd be just a little bit after the Malaysia game. So stay awake, stay awake. It is well worth it. <laughs> We're going to talk about the other two teams in Group A then right after this. 
and the Mancini method, some might say magic, is starting to work again. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Gets the shots away, off the ball, Carrasco, off the bar as well, incredible. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Wow. Here we are, Bob Holmes, Des Corkill and Craig Marias looking forward to Euro 2020. Italy and Turkey kickoff proceedings at 3 a.m. Uh, early Saturday morning. At 9 p.m. Saturday, uh, the other two teams in Group A take to the field. Uh, it's going to take place in Azerbaijan in the Baku Olympic Stadium. Wales versus Switzerland, Bob Holmes. Um, obviously, both these teams... Uh, uh, you, you'd think are going to be the ones to try and challenge Italy to try and make that second spot or a good third place finish. Yeah, they uh, certainly Wales, especially after what they did last time. But uh, are they good enough for the, Wales this time around? Well, uh, probably not quite as good as they were then. But uh, that was a shock, wasn't it? And uh, they did rely on some unheralded names to get them there. You remember Robson Kanu scoring that, that great unforgettable goal against Belgium. And uh, Vokes of Burnley, the header, also in the same game, wasn't it? Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, where yeah. are they now? Yeah. Uh, you know, so Wales can muster this spirit. Um, and Gareth Bale is still there. He's always played better for Wales than uh, his, whichever club he's at. I uh, don't say that in a snide way, um, but he has, hasn't he? You know, he. <laughs> uh, I think the stats prove that. And uh, you've got Aaron Ramsey. You've got Daniel James. And when you look at it, it's not a bad team. And uh, I think Robert Page, who's been thrust into the job because of the court case with Ryan Giggs, uh, I think he's done a pretty good job in um, holding it all together. There's not been any noticeable drop-off. Um, I mean, he was fairly just about unheard of as a as an assistant manager, uh, but he's well, kept apart, it going. apart from two Led Zeppelin fans. But um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, you're dear. on a roll today, <laughs> Ross. Hey! <laughs> Can't compete with that. <laughs> um, no, I think Bale, uh, you know, he's, he's been playing a little bit more for Spurs towards the end of the season after Mourinho left. Um, and I think he was sort of warming up for this. I think he, uh, he was having a few runouts for Spurs. And, uh, you know, I think this is his big uh, moment now to make a statement to anybody who's watching. Uh, I don't think he really wants to stay at Real Madrid any longer. I don't know whether Spurs can afford to pay him the, the segment, whatever they're paying him, um, to, uh, to be a fringe player. I uh, don't know how he gets on with Fonseca, the likely new manager of Spurs. That'll be interesting to see whether Spurs even carry on the loan. Mm. Um, but uh, so it all points to... a. A big moment for Gareth Bale. I, I think we can expect something special from him. And Wales, they've got a spirit. It's just a pity that this is being played where it is in Baku, in Azerbaijan, which is the other end of Europe from Wales, uh, 4,000 odd air miles involving uh, two changes of plane 
for any fans who want to go. And I think we have to mention this. Uh, I mean, we turn on our TVs and we see a stadium 25% full and you don't really worry about where it is. But this is an excursion of Marco Polo proportions for any Welsh fan who wants to go and see his team play in Europe. Now, when you're playing in Europe, you're entitled to think that it won't be that far away. But this is because of Michel Platini's brainstorm. We'll just mention this now before it all starts. But it's a pan-European tournament. He... They, I think they went out one night, UEFA officials got drunk, <laughs> came up with this idea of playing in 12 different countries. It's the sort of thing that when you, the next morning when you sober up, you, you think, what did, we, what did we say? No, no, that's ridiculous. You know. But for some reason, they, they maintained it. And even yeah. when the virus struck, and yeah. there was obviously a heaven-sent chance to... Uh, to change plans, be sensible. they still stuck with it. <laughs> and now they've, it, it's 11 actually now, two, two dropped out and uh, Bilbao um, uh, dropped out, was replaced by Seville, but Dublin dropped out and their games were split between other venues, Wembley being one of them. So <laughs> we've got this tournament where we all know about the restrictions of flying around and yet you've got 24 teams and their entourages flying around Europe, going in and out of airports, in and out of hotels, in and out of stadiums at the, while this pandemic is still going on. And don't be surprised if there are hiccups. We've already seen that Spain and Sweden have both had two players testing positive and they meet on Monday. Tuesday morning, our time in Malaysia. But what's going to happen? Are we going to see reserve teams playing? What is the contingency? I can't see how this tournament can get through unscathed. I hope it does. Of course, I want to see as many fans there as possible. I want to see the best teams play. But I think this is an unnecessary risk that UEFA is taking. And they had plenty of time to change. Platini thought this up in 2012. They've had nine years to, to think about this. But here we are. And Wales fans have got to go 4,000 kilometers. There, there are no budget airlines. Hotels are over £100 a night in Baku. So how many of them are going to go? It, it's, it's just not fan-friendly. I don't think it's player-friendly. We're lucky. We're only watching on TV. It doesn't really matter where it is as long as the game, as the game gets played. But I think you, UEFA really uh, are, uh, you know, they really have a lot to answer for for this. Plus the untold testing that fans will be required to go through uh, from country to country as well. Um, yeah, big respect. Uh, let's hope it all happens. Uh, it's scheduled to take place Saturday, 9 p.m., Wales versus Switzerland. We've got to talk up the Swiss a little bit. They're not going to be easy for, for, for Wales. They're in strong form as they head into the tournament. Uh, what they, they had draws against Spain and Germany over the last year. They, they beat Ukraine 3-0 recently. Um, they're not to be mocked, Des Corkill. No, they're not. And Vladimir Pekovic, their, their coach, has been in charge for seven years. Seven years as an international manager is a, is a bit of a lifetime. So he knows uh, 
what he's got. He has a, again, he has a limited group of players, but this Swiss team, they're at the they're now at the tail end of a very good Swiss team that did well in the, in the 21 championships about uh, 10 years ago, the likes of uh, uh, Gav, uh, Gav, Gavranovic up front. And they've got Granit Xhaka in the heart of midfield. Shakiri wants to go out, I think, uh, end his career on a high note. I think they're a reasonable side. They're difficult to... They're difficult to get past. They've got that little bit of creativity. They've got a little bit of depth as well. Um, he seems to know what his best starting eleven is, but should um, problems happen to a Kanji defensively, he knows he's got Shah or Kuma to come in and, and uh, a cover for them. So I, I, I'd say that Switzerland are a, a decent outside bet to, to make it into the uh, quarterfinals or so, to, to go deep into the tournament as one of the, the rank outsiders. Not good enough to win it, but good enough to cause one or two problems um, for for the the bigger nations um, in in this in this format of competition. Um, they're they're not a bad side. They're well organised. They're disciplined. They don't seem to concede too many silly goals. And yeah, I I I think they're all right. They've got enough. Mamedi and Gavranovic up front. I like them. And uh, Serefovic as well is the is the other striker who's their their main body. Um, yeah. Yeah, look out! Look out for them. I, I think they can upset a few people. Yeah, Bril Mbolo, uh, the Welsh need to keep an eye on him. He he can be a handful as well. So, Wales versus Switzerland from Baku Olympic Stadium in Azerbaijan, just about Europe, <laughs> according to Bob. Just but it is it, it is Europe. It uh, is I've, Europe. I've got, to, I've got to take issue with Bob here. It, 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 <laughs> it, it sounded. Um, it sounded very, this should be a Western European tournament or it should be uh, in, in, in one place. And you, you, how, how a country is going to develop if, if you don't send um, events there? Admittedly, uh, Azerbaijan is very much uh, money-focused, uh, but isn't everywhere else? Isn't everywhere else all about the money? Absolutely. So um, I, I, if it's a European championship, you go to the corners of Europe. Of course you do. All right, then. Uh, Group B gets underway Sunday midnight with the Danes taking on the Finns. Denmark will have uh, memories of 92 still, <laughs> Craig Marais. Uh, oh, when, when, I mean, but you look at this Danish team. Do, do you think, Kasper Schmeichel, can it be a fairy tale just like that? Can it? Can it? Just, just like 92. Yeah. Just like 92. Um, you know. I mean, yeah, what, what a remarkable story that was. Um, the, the <laughs> that will have to be a movie. That one will have to be a Hollywood movie. It already is. Yeah? It already is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm watching that on Netflix tonight. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was all right. Um, none of the plays looked like uh, None of the actors looked like <laughs> plays anyway. Um, but no, uh, what, a, what a story that would be. You know, he's already kind of emulated his dad in, in, in a way where he's won the Premier League. Um, he's won the FA Cup this season. Um, so, you know, could this be the next major tournament that he wins? And, and, and what a career he's had, you know, by the way, um, for, for, for a keeper who, you know, got released, or not released, but sold by City, um, you know, dropped down to the lower leagues, Notts County, Leeds United, um, and eventually, <laughs> and eventually uh, found his way with, uh, with Leicester. Um, you know, what a story that is. But um, this Danish team, you know, it's not as bad as it looks. It, it really isn't. You know, if you look look throughout the team, I mean, when you have someone like, you know, Christian Eriksen up there, um, you know, you always give yourself half a chance, you know, for him to create something. Played in a bit of a deeper role for Inter Milan uh, when he finally found his place in the team. Um, but, you know, you'd like to think that he, he'd be a lot further forward. Defensively as well, you know, you, we spoke about Schmeichel. Um, he's obviously a key component to that, that defence. You know, you've got Simon uh, Kier, 
uh, who plays for AC Milan. Very uh, reliable. Uh, he's been around for a while. Uh, reliable defender. A lot of experience there. Um, you got, um, you know, Vestergaard plays at Southampton. Yeah. Uh, whether he starts or not, I'm, you know, I'm not sure. You've got Mahela, um, who, who's, a, who's a defender, a fullback, you know, that, that can get up and down there and um, has a good eye for, for creating or, or grabbing a goal. So that'll be interesting. Um, and then, you know, when you're attacking in, you've got uh, players like, you know, Paulson, um, who, who, you know, has been around for a while as well uh, at Red Bull. Um, and you've got, uh, God, I can't believe I'm saying this, but... Go uh, for it, go Braithwaite. for it. Braithwaite. <laughs> Barca's oh, Braithwaite, say it. Yeah, who, who, couldn't think, who couldn't get a game for, for Middlesbrough, um, I think, in the championship. Uh, but somehow, <laughs> along the way, managed to secure himself a deal uh, to, to play alongside Lionel Messi at the new camp. Uh, week in, week out, you know, it's, it's, it's baffling how football works sometimes. But there you go, you know. Um, All right. But it's a decent team. It's a decent team that these uh, uh, Denmark have. They're, they're up against Finland, who um, on paper, it, I mean, they're not bad as as you know as I think a lot of people are making them out to be. But you expect uh, Denmark to, to win this game quite confidently. Yeah, little is expected of Marku Kaneva's Finland side this summer. Denmark, Finland then is Sunday midnight. We're going off for another break. We'll talk about the two giants from Group B next. Away from one expected challenge, Grealish goes again. Sancho still with him. Those two have combined really well. It's Sancho with a hit. On the ball on BFM 89.9. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Craig Marias, Bob Holmes and Des Corkill joining me for the big Euro 2020 kickoff. Yeah, strange they kept the name. It is 2021. I know, I know. <laughs> We're talking about Group B, Belgium, Russia, Denmark and Finland. Denmark and Finland is Sunday at midnight. Uh, arguably, well, tournament favourite, one of the tournament favourites, Belgium take on Russia. That's happening at the Gazprom Arena in St. Petersburg, Russia. It is uh, 3 a.m. kickoff uh, for, for this Group B game. Um, Belgium then, Bob. Lukaku. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Carrasco. Yep. Uh, the name's just, just four. I mean, De Bruyne. De Bruyne's joined <laughs> up with the gang. He looks all right. He was wearing sunglasses, not, not wearing a face mask. I thought he, he, looks, he looks cool. Yeah, I think he's going to be all right for the uh, second half of the tournament. Um, he's not going to play in the first game anyway. Um, yeah, I, I'm uh, the star man, I, I would say. Uh, the, the, that was a big uh, worry for them, but uh, he's uh, come through it all right. Uh, the injury in the Champions League final, of course, we're talking about. Uh, when you look at the side, on paper, it really... Is great, isn't it? It's, uh, you know, it's got something about it that makes you sit up and think, my God, you know, they, they are actually better than France, I think, on paper. Um, but you've got a couple of doubts. Uh, I mean, Eden Hazard has been uh, a well-documented shadow of his former self at Real Madrid for two years, plagued by injury, hardly played. We saw a brief glimpse of him. Uh, in the latter stages of the Champions League, he didn't look fit, didn't look like uh, the hazard of 
that we knew at Chelsea. So what kind of a role he's going to play in this, I'm not sure. But because it goes on for so long, there's been a small gap between the end of the season and the start of this. He has had chance to get fit. And as long as he can stay clear of injuries, we might see glimpses of the old Hazard uh, midway through the tournament. Uh, certainly Belgium will be hoping so. But they've got quality everywhere. They've got Lukaku. I mean, um, he scored s- almost 70 goals for Belgium. And he's, uh, he's one of their younger players. I think one of the weaknesses, if you like, of Belgium is that half the side, more than half the side, are over 30, or I should say 30 and above. Especially the defence. Yes. You know... Um, you, you don't win big tournaments with kids. Uh, it's experienced teams. Uh, the peak age is about 28 to 30 for winning championships. And uh, so you'd have to say this is the last chance saloon for quite a few of these players. The golden generation, if you like. They're two, cl- two cliches in one. Um, but you can't ignore the quality. I mean, they've got Thibaut Courtois in goal, who's been playing brilliantly for Real Madrid. I mean, you've, you've, got, you've got strength and quality in every department. And importantly, you've got the finisher, Lukaku, who had a fantastic season, uh, shot into to the, uh, the Scudetto in Italy. So, and he's one of the younger players. So really, with the likes of De Bruyne, Mertens, uh, Vertonghen is still around, Alderweireld, I mean, Carrasco, you name it. This, this is a star-studded side. And I think they realize that this is their moment because they know that even though the World Cup, there's another World Cup in a year's time, just over a year's time, um, that may be too late for one or two of them. As it, this may be too late for, for one or two of them, but they've still got a pretty good squad together. The gold still glitters. And I think they're going to take some beating. I really do think it's going to take a very good France side, a very good Portuguese side to beat them. So uh, I would say they they should really walk all over Russia, even though it's in Russia, this. Um, they're, a, they're a class apart. Having yeah. said that, There'll probably yeah. be a big upset. Stanislav Churchesov's side proved that they, you know, on on home soil like 2018, nobody expected Russia to go that far, and they they have Artem Zubria. Is that, that yeah, Artem yeah. Zubria, who, who they 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 rely a lot on for goals. Now you've got an aging Vertonghen at the other end for Belgium. There's, I mean. Can Russia sneak through along with uh, Belgium in this group, you reckon? I, I doubt it. Um, they're, they're a team that they are Juba or, or nothing. They don't score many. To be fair, they don't concede many. I think they've only scored... Uh, they, they average a goal a game and you need to do more than that. That's good enough to, to draw games, not necessarily enough to, to win games. Um, yeah, it's, it, so Russia are going... To, so when, when I look them up, I, I, I tend to, to look at teams... What do I recognise? I recognise Zuba, I recognise Golovin, I recognise Fernandez, Mostovoy, and then there was the, uh, gosh, who's, who's, the, who's the striker? Cherishev. Miranchuk. Miranchuk. So Miranchuk is yeah. perhaps, perhaps somebody who can help them forward a little bit. But uh, again, I, 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 
you then look at the videos, they seem to sit back a little bit, even though it's a, a, normally a three-man back line, it tends to be a five, five, four, one formation, and they try to hit on the break. Um, so I, I'm not quite sure that they're, they're set up well enough. However, a lot of their games are being played in St. Petersburg. Uh, I think three, uh, two of their games are being played in St. Petersburg. And the format of this multi-nation championship means that an awful lot more nations do get a home advantage. Now, whether or not, and, and home advantage can be, you don't have to move so far. It, it's not necessarily all about the fans. It's about comfort at home. It's about familiarity. It's about just being prepared a, a little bit, 1% or 2% better prepared than your opponents or more comfortable in your environment. And that home advantage could well tell for Russia here because the games are in St. Petersburg. Uh, ironically, they've then got to fly miles away for another home game and Finland get to play in St. Petersburg, which is close to them. But I think home advantage in this um, 11 nation tournament is, is, is going to tell right the way through until the quarterfinals. Once you hit the semifinals, they're all up Wembley. So Russia, if they can produce us, us, um, an upset, uh, you'll do it in the first game against a highly fancied Belgium and you'll do it courtesy of uh, some home advantage. Yeah, or they might also cut power to Belgium Hotel and, and make sure breakfast. Not these days, Ross, not these days. <laughs> not you're, these days. You're That's the old things of, of, of that uh, <laughs> nation. They're all about money now. Uh, Belgium, Russia, 3 a.m. Sunday. That's Group B then, which is, uh, as we said, Belgium, Russia, Denmark and Finland. Group D, we get to see... Sunday at uh, 9 p.m. And that is England. England versus Croatia is happening at Wembley <laughs> and it will be a Wembley 25% full capacity. Um, go on then, Craig Marias. Tell us why England will go far this tournament. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or will they, really? Um, no, it's a, it's 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 one of those, you know. Uh, and if anything that takes them over the line, I think it's it's the quality going forward, um, as well as the fans, the home fans. You know, I think we, um, you know, I, I think Euro '96 was probably the last time. Uh, well, it is the last time that England had a major tournament in their backyard. Um, and and they, they reckon about 20, 22 and a half, 23,000 at Wembley. So that should make a lot of noise. Yeah. It'll, it'll make noise. I mean, you've got to remember the capacity of Wembley as well, you know, so uh, I, it might not seem that there's a lot. I watched 18,000 at Edgbaston yesterday, sing their hearts out, and it was noisy. Yeah, it was good. It was really good. It was really good. But it, it's it's much smaller, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. And uh, I think Wembley's 90 over 1,000 capacity, so... Uh, but do you it, reckon this young really... England side then? Where, where are the strengths up front? Yeah. Up front, attacking. Um, and, and I think, you know, a lot depends, you know, if we're talking about defensively, a lot depends on the fitness of Maguire. Um, what kind of formation Southgate is, you know, if you read reports, you know, he's been training with the back three, uh, which will be interesting because uh, that's a similar formation or that's the formation that they played when they faced Croatia in the semifinals of the, of the World Cup. Um, so, so, I mean, it's not exactly the same team. We, we've got to remember that, you know, the, the emergence of players like Sancho, Grealish, Mount, um, Foden, you know, gives a lot um, for, for fans to be positive about. And uh, and rightly so, you know, I mean, when you have that kind of quality, you know, you always stand a chance of doing something. Um, it's, it's not an easy opener. Um, let, let's not forget, you know, it's not an easy opener. It's, it's tricky. But as I said, you know, the quality that this England side have, they haven't been convincing in their two warm-up games, must be said. Uh, but then again, you know, the second one they played, um, obviously with a second team and, you know, it wasn't a full strength and you didn't have the City 
City and Chelsea players and United players um, uh, available. But if I had to make a prediction on England, uh, I don't think they're going to win it. Um, I'd love to see them win it. I don't think they will. Uh, but I see them going, you know, around the semi-final stage. Um, but, you know, I, I think after that, after the quarterfinals, it's all luck, to be honest. Yeah. Um, th- there's always a little bit of luck that England have lacked in major competitions. Um, you know, you go way back and, you know, just that little bit of luck, whether it's penalty shootouts, whether it's disallowed goals, where it's red cards, you know, something always seems to happen to them. Um, you know, when it comes to, to the knockout rounds. So um, I'm hoping that they have that little bit of luck this time round. Uh, but I think they'll, they'll be able to get to the semifinals. And then after that, you know, it's it's just how they perform on the night and just hoping that everything goes their way. Well, the good news for England is that Harry Maguire is actually back in training. So they're talking about make him making the later stages. Of course, they need to get out of the group. They need the to... Game. Yeah, they, they need to negotiate... <laughs> Uh, Croatia, Bob Holmes, some some revenge uh, on Croatia at stake here as well. Yes, uh, Croatia beat England in the uh, semi-final of the World Cup three years ago um, with a, a, a fairly aging side then. And uh, it's mostly the same players. I think England can take some encouragement from that. Uh your Modric's, Perisic's, uh, they're still there. Um, very, very good players, but perhaps a little past their peak, whereas England are actually better. I think this is a much better side than uh, we had at the World Cup. And it's a younger a younger team. It's uh, strange to be talking about England going into a tournament with a young side. Doesn't happen very often. But this is a young, one of the youngest sides in it. And I think it's quite a vibrant squad they've got together. A lot of talent there, as Craig says, mainly up front. Now, this is the issue. Southgate is a very cautious manager by nature. And whether he's going to let the attacking players or even their instincts off the leash is the question. Um, I wouldn't put a lot of money on it, to be honest. And what worries me is that we don't know uh, his best side, and I don't think he knows it. Uh, He's had two warm-up games that everybody has had to work out um, you know, the fine-tuning, the tweaking. And most, most other countries have played something resembling their best side in at least one of those warm-up matches. England have not done that. Bizarrely, they have, Southgate has played guys who are not in the squad in those games, resting some of the key players from Chelsea and Manchester City just because they played in the Champions League final. Well, okay, everybody's knackered and they probably do need a rest. But wouldn't it be, uh, wouldn't it have been better to have just tried them out? I mean, even half a game in those warm-up matches. And this, this kind of um, hesitancy, and uh, that, that worries me a little about Southgate. He's not got a great record. I mean, he was at Middlesbrough. He wasn't great. That was his club. And he's been England under-21 manager. Okay, he took England to the, to the semifinals of a World Cup. No small achievement. 
But they had an easy run, didn't they? They had an easy run. I mean, Panama, come on, you know, <laughs> they beat them six, but it was, it was easy. Sweden, then they won on penalties. Now that's something. And I'd just like to mention the fact that this, this generation of players, I think they showed it at the World Cup, they are not inhibited by some of the psychological damage that seemed to affect their predecessors. Now, the golden generation, the Beckhams, Gerrards, Lampards, that generation seemed to be inhibited by the failures of their predecessors, like Stuart Pearce and, you know, that waddle, that group. I'm thinking mainly of penalties here, that, you know, that psychological blow um, problem of penalties. They won a penalty shootout. Wow. These guys have got no fear. And that's a very encouraging thing. What worries me is that Southgate, is he the manager for this team? That, that is the question. It's, it's, all, it's all set up for a Croatia upset then, Des Corkill. <laughs> I think Bob's hit uh, several important keys there about England. And that uh, You suspect he knows what his best side is, but is he able to put that best side out? Is Maguire going to be fit enough? Uh, does he partner John Stones if Maguire isn't there? Is Stones Henderson's not match to be fit the, the leading? Yeah, does he play Jordan Henderson? Yeah. Because um, uh, you, although you can afford with this, this, this three teams, uh, or three of the, 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 the three of the teams going forward potentially uh, from a fourteen group, you don't have to to win your first game. Uh, you you can e- even afford to lose it, but you don't want to lose it. You don't want to give yourself um, no no mistakes. Uh, for the games against Scotland and Czech Republic. And the big thing for Croatia, even though they're on a dreadful run, I think they've won four of the last 13 in yeah. the last 12 months or so. So they're not winning games, but they, they know. I, I reckon I could name seven or eight of their starting lineup, uh, almost guaranteed you. Modric, Brozovic and Kovacic in midfield, Perisic up front, uh, Rebic on the right-hand side, Vida, one of the centre-backs, uh, Livakovic. So they've Lovren's got that, still that. there. Yeah, and it, I'd, I'd be surprised if he if he plays. I'd be surprised if he gets a stop because he's not been playing for Croatia um, re- recently. He's been squads, but not getting a, a start. So, so, so there's that togetherness for Croatia. And coming into Wembley, they're not scared of no. England. They, they've been there, seen it, done it. They've made it to the World Cup final, most of these players. So that, to me, is, is the, the danger. I don't see Croatia going all the way this time. I think the legs will run out. Um, the travelling that they will have to do will 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 add to it as well. But they are a real danger for this first game, and uh, England haven't put together their strongest lineup for quite some while. And there's injury doubts uh, amongst those those, those strongest um, uh, players as well. Even if, as uh, Bob alludes to, Gareth uh, Southgate doesn't know what his strongest lineup is. So uh, a danger from Croatia and. For England to get the fans on their side genuinely, I think they've got to start pretty well. All right, England-Croatia, Sunday, 9 p.m., kicks off Group D. We're off our final break. Back right after this. Rashford takes responsibility and makes no mistake. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Really well worked by Portugal. Tucked away by Bruno Fernandes. On the ball on BFM 89.9.
Back with Craig, Bob, and Des. Uh, Group C, we get to see in action Sunday nights, uh, Monday morning. Uh, it's it's what the Ukraine, Netherlands, Austria, and North Macedonia. We North Macedonia has had some impressive results of late, uh, most notably uh, beating Germany. Uh, but Netherlands, you'd expect Bob Holmes to cruise through Group C, wouldn't you? Well, you would have done. Um, I think uh, traditionally, uh, Netherlands were one of the big boys, weren't they? Um, they won this tournament with a great side uh, in 88, the Ruud Hullet generation. And they, they were always a, a force. But lately, they've uh, gone off the boil, uh, famously not qualifying for two tournaments. But they, they're still favourites to win this um, because the... The rest of it doesn't look like that. Doesn't look that strong, does it? On paper, North Macedonia, you've mentioned, not to be taken lightly, having beaten Germany. Obviously, they, um, they they've got a, a formidable sort of spirit there, uh, a new nation or a newly named nation. You might wonder <laughs> where South Ma- Macedonia is, but it's actually the old the old Macedonia. There's some <laughs> diplomatic row and a bit of, of a border dispute, but it's essentially Macedonia. Um, and uh, Austria and Ukraine make up the uh, numbers there. Austria, we saw against England um, in a, one of the warm-up games, uh, they, they took a bit of uh, shoving over. Uh, some Austrian commentators reckon this is the best Austrian side possibly ever. Wow. They've got, they've got um, no less than 21 players playing in the big five leagues around Europe. It's more than any other country as a, as a spread. And there's, there's a couple worth noting. They've got their own Peter Crouch, Kaladic, the uh, six foot seven inch centre forward who gave uh, England's defenders a little bit of trouble at uh, Wembley. But uh, he plays for uh, Stuttgart and in the Bundesliga. And he's only 23 years old and a, quite a prospect. Are you likely to see that guy um, featuring one of the bigger clubs? And um, they've also got Baumgartner, um, who I thought had a blinder against yeah. England. He was yeah. all over the place, he a was midfielder. The best player. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, a youngster uh, playing in the Bundesliga. And. Uh, Watch that name. Uh, th- these guys are good and they're quite physical, as we saw at Wembley. So Austria probably would be favourites to go through with uh, Netherlands. And then uh, you've got um, Ukraine. Uh, the two most notable names there, the ones who play in the Premier League, of course, are Zinchenko of Manchester City and Yarmolenko of West Ham. And interestingly, Zinchenko, who plays a makeshift left-back role for City, is actually a creative midfielder for Ukraine. And it'll be very, very interesting to see what he's like there. I'm sure Pep Guardiola will be watching closely to see if they're... But mind you, there's not much room in the City midfield for any other players, is there? But it will be interesting to see what he's like. So Ukraine, managed by uh, Andrei uh, Shevchenko, no Mm. less. So, uh, you know, he's not done a bad job. So interesting group, Group C. 
But I, I'd say Austria and, and Netherlands, my, my tips to go through. Austria, North Macedonia is Monday midnight. Uh, Netherlands, Ukraine, with new shirts, the Ukrainians. N- note. Uh, 3 a.m. Change shirts. They've been told <laughs> to change it. <laughs> Cleaner shirts. 3 a.m. kick off that one. Um, all right. Massive game. Uh, Euro aside, massive game for Malaysia in their World Cup qualifiers. Uh, Group G, Malaysia versus Vietnam, is uh, 12.45 a.m. Saturday morning kickoff. Now, uh, during the week... Uh, Des Corkill, uh, not the best results for Malaysia. UAE 3, Thailand 1, Vietnam 4, Indonesia 0. I was watching that. It was 0-0 at halftime. I was going, come on, you Indonesians. And then and then that Nguyen guy happened. <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's a bit special, is Quang Hai, his name. He's, he's, a, he's a bit special. He's, he's tiny, but he's got a, a left foot that's that's just magical. And uh, as an attacking threat, he is... He, he is He's not the only thing by a long way the Vietnam have got, but when he is on song, my word, Vietnam going forward are great. Going forward, Vietnam have got an old a traditional centre forward called Tien Lin. They've got Kong Quang who comes off the off the bench, Van Tuan who can who can contribute as well. And from midfield, they well they get round the back. They play a three four three. They're very fluid. They break They're out very very, fluid, very quickly. Yeah. Uh, but Quang Hai is just a special special player. Um, I don't think he could make it in Europe simply because because of the physicality of it, but he could certainly make it in Japan at, at a top club or, or maybe even Korea, which is a bit more physical because he's, he's a special player. And his second goal, you just saw him. You, as soon as he, was, he picked up the ball 30 metres out and Indonesia's two centre-backs just backed off a little bit, he pinged it into the bottom corner. <laughs> it was international quality. He's, he's a terrific player. Malaysia, got to be careful about that. But... I think Malaysia were so over maligned for that 4-0 defeat against uh, UAE. I think the real Malaysia will turn out tonight. I think it'll be tight. I think there'll be one goal in it. And Malaysia, if they can win it, they can't win the group. Second is unlikely, but third place, very, very much a possibility. And that still opens the door for Asian Cup qualification, which I think is the realistic target. To make it into the World Cup top um, top 12 would be difficult. Um, but Malaysia can spike Vietnam's chances of doing that, I think, tonight because they'll be, st- they'll be hurt, they'll be stinging about the criticism and they've got a point to prove. Many of the players have got a point to prove for Malaysia. Should be a, won't be a thriller, won't be a thriller, but it could be a crackingly um, competitive contest. Yeah, Vietnam are top of the group at the moment, uh, unbeaten after six games, four wins, two draws, two points ahead of UAE in second, Thailand in third. Uh, looking at, at what Tan Cheng Ho can do then, obviously, Brendan Gunn can come back into that Malaysian midfield now, Craig. How would you set them up? Would it be the same back line for you? Uh, well, far as uh, I'll, for how, sure. <laughs> yeah, far, I mean, far as, I'll, far as I'll get to, there's no question about that. You expect Maddie Davis to, to start at right back, uh, Corbin on at left back, the uncles to remain uh, in the centre of defence. Uh, now we know Junior is injured, so he'll be out of this one. Hopefully, um, his his scans didn't show um, the injury to be as serious as first thought, so he might be able for uh, to he might be available for the Thailand game. 
Uh, fingers crossed on that one. Um, does Aido come back into the squad? He didn't have uh, a, a great game. No, he didn't. You. He came off injured as well. Uh, but then when you look at the options, uh, you know, um, after that, you know, they, they're not very convincing. You're looking at Irfan Zakaria. Um, you're looking at Dominic Tan. He's not played a lot of football. Coming back from injury as well. Got Adam Aslin. Um, hasn't played a lot. Featured actually towards the end. Uh, featured quite a bit for JDT. Uh, but still hasn't had the same kind of, um, you know, kind of football that you need uh, to go into a game like this. So um, I think, you know, Tan Cheng Ho will be hoping his captain, Idol is fit and he manages to get him fit for this one. Um, so I think that back line will remain, um, to be honest with you, um, providing Idol's fit. Brendan Gunn, now this is the, the big one, really. Brendan Gunn is, is available after suspension. Um, he, you'd expect to slot in straight in there. Um, and I think he'd replace Azam. Um, now, as I'm, I don't think was the worst out of the three midfielders against UAE. Um, I mean, I don't think they were great anyway, but out of the three, I don't think he was the worst, but he was the first one to get hauled off. Um, uh, I don't think Shamir covered himself with glory and, and neither did Liridon, to be honest with you. But I expect Shamir to, to, to stay in that side. Um, I think it'll be Shamir, uh, Brendan and, and Liridon probably will keep his place. Um and then I think the, the you know the attack kind of speaks for itself. Um, if you ask me, Guahame will be given another chance, um, and then Safawi and uh, and Mo Smare uh, on the wings. Uh, I think people have to kind of uh, you know get things into perspective. You know, I think that UAE uh, defeat was expected. Uh, I don't think anyone expected us to go to UAE and beat them. Um, but I think it was, the, like I said on Twitter, you know, it was the manner of defeat. You know, the performance just wasn't there. No Malaysian fans uh, would have bothered if they lost 4-0, but gave everything. And if you can honestly ask me if those players did give everything, I, I find that hard to believe. You know, I, I just feel the performance levels weren't quite there. Uh, for whatever reason, I spoke to some of the players after the match. They said the heat was absolutely ridiculous, um, you know, and, and there, there might have been a few things that contributed towards that. But I still, uh, you know, they, they were there, you know, two weeks prior to that. You know, they, they could have acclimatised to it. Um, and that was the whole point for this, you know, month-long uh, training camp. So, yeah, uh, it's a bit of both. I just personally, I don't feel that performance levels were there. Um, but, you know, speaking to some of the players, they, they're looking to respond um, really well. And, and I expect to see a performance uh, from them in the next two games. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Vietnam have an impressive record against Malaysia. They've won eight of the last 10 meetings, scoring 13 goals, keeping six clean sheets. Malaysia, Vietnam, 12.45 a.m. kickoff. Hopefully we've set you up nicely for a weekend full of football. I'm going to say thanks to the guys. Thank you, Bob Holmes. Thanks, everybody. Thanks to Craig Marias. Thank you very much. Come on, Malaysia. And come on, England, for the Euros. <laughs> and uh, forgot to mention, Des Corkill will be the English commentary alternative on the Malaysia game tonight. Good luck with that, Des. Thank you very much. Looking forward to it. As I say, it's, uh, it's an important one for Malaysia because they took such stick after the UAE 4-0 defeat. I think they need to bounce back. Uh, but come on, Malaysia. And then the Euros. And you didn't mention Copa America. No, no, I, I might even have to edit what you said out there. But and, and Craig wants to say something else as well. <laughs> it's coming home. <laughs> <laughs> Bye now. See you Monday. Follow BFM Football on Facebook and catch On the Ball on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 
To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.